such an encouragement. And uh, while uh, we're kind of getting settled and, and uh, getting ready for this discussion and conversation this morning, I hope that, that this discussion is just something that's encouraging and practical and uh, that we can kind of uh, take with us and, and apply to our, to our lives um, soon. And so um, this is my beautiful, wonderful wife, Katie. Let's give it up for Katie. This is Danielle Mord, who is my sister. Let's give it up for Danielle. Danielle, would you like to say anything right off the bat? Okay. This is my brother Larry, who's going to be bringing a session in the afternoon on truth and biblical and social justice, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, then Pastor Steve Miller, all the way from Virginia. He's going to be bringing the message tonight. And uh, yesterday we met up at In-N-Out because that's what you have to do when you come to California. And uh, thank you so much. And then we have Ryan Gass, who's the worship pastor at Coastline Baptist Church in Oceanside. Let's give it up for Ryan. Ryan's also going to be leading a session this afternoon um, on the war for your worship. And so we're looking forward to that. Danielle's also leading a session this afternoon. And so is Steve. So uh, we'll be hearing more from... Uh, from all of these. Everyone except for me. Everyone except for, <laughs> and me. We're just going to be listening in. And so uh, the first question that I kind of wanted to kick us off with is all of us, no matter if you're in full-time ministry or not, all of us have dealt with ramifications from COVID and just how our lives have changed. And through that, I think that all of us can look back and even now kind of have some perspective and see how God was working through that. And, and possibly opened up some doors that maybe otherwise would have been shut. And so I wanted to start and uh, just ask, what is one lesson that God has taught you through COVID? And uh, Pastor Steve, let's start with you. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and I'm glad to be here, and thank you for taking me in and out uh, yesterday. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, God has taught so many lessons. There's so many things I think we all can look at and kind of, you know, personally we've grown from. I think from a ministry standpoint, I think one of the things that, that God has taught me as a ministry leader is I need to learn to accept people where they are and not put expectations on people. That I need to reach out as a pastor. You know, I took over a church in the middle of COVID. So I became a pastor in August of 2020. And so we were right into it. I mean, just full-fledged. And and there were, there were church members, Matt, that I did not meet for almost six months after I became the pastor. Like they stayed at home, they watched online, and I would call them and say, hey, I'm your pastor now, and if you need anything, let me know, and some even longer than that. And God just taught me that, that, that being a pastor doesn't mean that the people have to be in the building, that I can be a pastor to people, that God has called me to pastor people, and that was really good. And I just need to accept how, where people are and then love them where they are yep. and not put expectations on them in some way that helps me feel better. I need to love and serve them. Paul says, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. And so God's taught me that, uh, a lot of other things, but that one thing from a ministry standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. The church being able to, to mobilize and to be the church, it's not about the building. And uh, absolutely. Danielle? Uh, the lesson that God taught me was uh, slightly more personal. I, um, 
when in COVID, like looking back, you know, when I would hear things about maybe new lockdown restrictions or someone that you love being sick or um, maybe something negative in the news, it was easy for me to get maybe a little more frustrated by it in my spirit. Uh, discouraged maybe is a better word and I didn't like the phrase the new normal because I liked everything the way it was and I just I like things to be perfect and just right as I'm sure we all do and so one phrase that really the Lord kept bringing back to my heart is that heaven is my home and I think I found myself wanting to make everything here just right and just perfect and good and we weren't made for this like this isn't going to be perfect ever but God made heaven for us to enjoy and to be for, to be perfect and so um, I feel like the Lord just really brought the uh, verse from Hebrews 13. We don't have a continuing city here, a permanent city, but we seek one to come. Yep. And then the verses go on to say, so what do we do? We offer the sacrifice of praise. We give, we do good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just really looked at that as the lesson that God taught me um, during that season, and I'm thankful for it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. By the way, is that a Paul's Leather Bible? Yes. Very nice. little advertisement there. <laughs> great, great Bible. Larry? Well, first of all, I want to say pray for us while we're up here because I heard Matt say like five times while they were bringing this couch in, be careful with that. It breaks. The back falls off of it. So, so not an expensive couch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're... Yeah. I'm not worried about COVID. I'm worried about this couch right here. By faith. Some put their trust in horses and chariots and that couch. That's right. Um, I think those were great thoughts and I don't have a lot to add except for it seems like the ones uh, the leaders who have done well have led with grace uh, kind of like what you guys have already touched on and, and that doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion or you don't actually think the ones that have done well have strong opinions and but they also have grace uh, through through leading during this time and I guess one takeaway for me has been I see a lot of people that just live in fear I don't know everyone has a different situation and a different perspective um, uh, but my heart towards them is compassion, not to win an argument. Or, um, and so those are some of my takeaways. Just live graciously. And, um, and, God, and it's been encouraging to see God work during this time. And um, I love the point that you brought out in Hebrews. It talks about you know, loving the brother, brotherhood, loving God, honoring the king. And I think that as Christians, we can strive to do all those things. Absolutely. Katie, what about a perspective on young children during COVID and online learning, and maybe Ryan, you can speak to that as well, but maybe um, what has God taught you through that? I think I learned a lot. I think I learned that Luke does not do well with Zoom school. He started kindergarten on Zoom. I have like the funniest pictures. I think I should have just become like a comedy photographer of Luke trying to do school. I have pictures of him like hiding under the desk in the fetal position on a chair. He was sometimes, I'd go down there, I'm like, he's gone. He'd be out riding his bike in the cul-de-sac. So that was a learning experience. And for me, I had to really realize, this is not going to end when I think it's going to. And so I think just realizing that I don't get to set the timeline and I'm not in control really helped me realize, like, this is where you're at today. Just focus on today. Get through the day. And we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. How many of you had... Uh, have young kids that have been in online schooling or ha have experienced that, right? A different battle and challenge for sure. Um, Ryan, I know you're last on the question, but but what would you add? First of all, I want to say I'm really bummed Pastor Skelly's not here because I thought I would be the younger guy, but now I realize I'm the, the older guy on this, on this panel. So um, I think uh, two things. Uh, one is uh, it's been interesting, and again, uh, there's obviously a lot more going on than just COVID the last couple years. Um, but to see when the, the normal things that we use to do church 
are all stripped away. You really get a sense of, of what people come to worship and how they come to worship, uh, whether that's in song and praise or just, you know, coming together as a church community, uh, what it takes for them not to come sometimes right. um, and, and what's important to them. And I would say uh, several times the word compassion has been used. And I think for me, it's helped define and, and maybe clarify an area and how to grow in compassion, at least for me personally, because I think for a lot of people, compassion, it kind of feels like I look at the down and outers or people who maybe are in a lesser situation than me. But through a, a time like this, I mean, there were friends, peers, uh, people in my church who I would say are, are some of my best friends, and we would see things differently. Uh, maybe politically, we would see things differently on how things are to be handled in the church. And to learn that it's okay to be different. You know, truth is truth, but on areas where that, that is, is uh, maybe a gray area, um, that we can still love each other, that we can still sit down at a table, talk with each other, still hug each other at the end, and agree to, be, uh, to disagree on something, but it's okay. Like, Jesus is still more important than all that, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. In all things charity. And so I think absolutely that that's so vital. The theme of this conference this year is the good fight. And uh, we're talking about uh, battling for the Lord. And we talked about the battle before the battle this morning. And uh, whether we realize it or not, and maybe, maybe you've seen this played out on a dramatic level in culture, maybe not. But there is a very real fight over truth in our culture today. And a very real battle uh, for, uh, for even biblical values. And so I wanted to talk about truth for a moment. Where do you see truth being attacked in culture? Where do you see that being played out? And how can we stand strong and, and tighten our grip on the, on the truth? Larry, I'll start with you. Um, I, I, I saw recently, it was a few years back, the word of the year for the Oxford Dis Dictionary was post-truth. We're living in a post-truth culture. And um, kind of like we're, we're beyond uh, Blockbuster and you know, Toys R Us and things of the past, Almost like truth is uh, absolute truth. And so um, I, I think to answer your question, uh, I think one of the areas where this is being played out is a redefinition of terms. Right. And you mentioned this in your sermon last night, Nat, uh, borrowing even from biblical concepts and terms and then redefining that. And it, it muddies the water, especially I'm, I'm a high school pastor, is I see students that want peace. You know, they want they, they want unity justice and what they'll do is uh they it's things that we common touch points we all want uh but then a borrowing of biblical concepts and then uh a distorting of them and so i, I would say just kind of that distortion of truth uh is is where this is being played out redefinition definition of the terms and then um uh just a shifting of norms as well where where things that were not true and were not right years ago now we're becoming used to them and so I, I those are two areas where i see that play out yeah absolutely steve you know um i think about that question and there's a lot of things that come to my mind i, I think there's a couple of things one is i think sometimes we have this expectation that our culture should be christian because it was founded you know on christian principles right so we we live we live in a christian society christian nation and so sometimes as christians we're appalled when unsafe people act unsaved. Right. And we're like, well, wait a minute. Like, we're a Christian nation. But if you look in the history of the church, the majority of the church operated in an anti-Christian society. So we're actually fortunate as Americans to have some, you know, foundation of Christianity within our, within our culture, within our, within our nation. 
But the church operated this way. And, and so I think sometimes we're kind of like, I can't believe this. And so what happens is, I think where truth is being attacked is not so much in what our culture is doing, but how Christians are responding. And I'll say this, you can be right, but wrong at the top of your lungs, right? And, and the Bible is very clear, and we say this in our church, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And I think there has to be a clear voice among the chaos a voice that's not angry, a voice that's not, you know, uh, jaded, a voice that's not filled with truth and a little bit of the newscaster and kind of mixing it all together in the sermon, right? I think there has to be a clear voice. I think people have to be able to find a place where they can, they can hear the truth, but also hear it in a way that is not going to push them away or make them more angry. I think a lot of churches have gotten angry over the last couple of years. How dare the culture? How, and I think, I think that's where the truth is being attacked and the devil's saying, that's exactly what I want. I want the culture to be in chaos. I want the church to be angry so that no one's being reached. And I think as the church, we have to watch ourselves and as leaders, we have to watch, and as Christians, we have to watch ourselves that when we have an opportunity to speak the truth, that we do it the way Jesus did in love. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let he that is that sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And I think that's an important thing that we have to make sure we're taking care of the way we respond to the way truth is being attacked. Just yeah, a couple thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And along those lines, Ryan, how can we uh, stand for truth but not, like what Steve was saying, get disgruntled and get angry? And uh, what, what would you say are some things? But by the way, uh, Ryan and Steve in college together traveled on a, on a traveling, singing worship <laughs> yes, group. Yes, they did. And so any great stories you can, you can share with us? Oh, there's a lot. There's I have a lot, lot but yes. I would never tell about Thank Steve. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate but that. I, I would say probably one of the best things. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, so when you're on tour, sometimes you, uh, you're going from church to church, you know, uh, and, and uh, sometimes you're, you can't always get a haircut. Like, you know, you're not in a town long enough to get a haircut. And uh, so I had never cut a brother's hair before, yes. but no. I, had, I had cut hair before, so I, I felt pretty comfortable. So I was like, Steve, let me let me do this for yes. you. Yes. It was the worst haircut it was I've really ever had. It was really bad. It was so bad. It was really bad. But I didn't charge him for it. It so. was free though. It was free. It was free. It needed to be free. It needed to be free. That's a that's a great that's a great story. Do you have a good one? I have a story. One I'll try to tell it really quick. Um, one time we were traveling. It was like our third tour stop, and we were in West Texas. And all around us was these like tornadoes and like like tornado warnings and sirens and things like this. And Ryan is just like driving. He drove the van the whole time. Like I think we went to like 36 states in like a matter of like 14 weeks or something like this. He drove every mile of it. And so we're driving in this, this small town, like this one stoplight town. And we get out, even though it was a one stoplight town, we managed to get lost. And so we pull in and we're looking for like, we're like, hey, is this church here? And they're like, yeah, just go down the road and you know, you'll see it. There's only one road in this town. And I remember we pulled up to the church and all of a sudden we like hear these sirens and like there was like a real threat of tornadoes. And we see this guy running across the front yard of the church. You remember this? He, you could tell he was like, he was the pastor. And it was like out of a movie. And he just looks at us, he points, looks at us and he goes, follow me. <laughs> and we go just darting through. And it was like this like crazy story of tornadoes and Ryan's drive. And I'm like, we're gonna die here. 
in West Texas. I'm thinking like, how am I going to tell all the parents? Yes, of these, yeah, of these this guys is going to be awful. But I just let them in. We survived the, the storm, and we ended up having church that night. I think there was like nine people in the service, but God really moved. But that was a that was a unique moment there. We were all a little scared, but Ryan Ryan pulled us through. Man, he was our hero. He got us to there safety. He, he got us to safety. I can't remember the question. I think it was something about. How do you stand for truth yep, and, yep, and yep. be gracious? About? So you know, I, I was just going to chime in real quick with that. I, I think um, one of the things that the devil's always gotten people to doubt is truth. I mean, that was the first thing in Adam and Eve yeah, in the garden. Yea, hath God said. Yep. But I think one of the things that, that how it relates to truth is he got Eve, Adam, and has throughout all, all of man's history to doubt authority connected with truth. And there's something about when you have the truth, there is a sense of authority uh, behind that. And what is miserable and kind of the, the I think sometimes that what's hard for Christians to wrap their minds around is that when man acts like man, like naturally, they're going to distort authority. They're going to distort truth. You go back 50 years ago, people could just tell you to do something and you just did it because they were the authority. And whether it's a pastor, whether it's a president, whether it's a policeman, whether it's your, your boss at work, uh, authority is a big thing that's in question now. And I think for us as Christians, sometimes to understand that, that that might be why this, this woman doesn't trust a man or this m might be why a kid doesn't trust uh, parents or trust a teacher because uh, there's been a distortion in whatever capacity uh, with authority. And I think it's on us. How do we not get grumpy about that? Is, is, and it's already been testified up here. There's scripture to back up. If I don't have scripture to back up what I believe, um, then I'm just being grumpy, and I'm going to be crabby, and I'm not going to have the compassion of Christ. Pastor, uh, uh, I think it was last year, JJ, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he talked about sometimes that there's a blending between patriotism and Christianity that sometimes we become more of the other, meaning patriotic, and, and the Christianity is kind of lessened, and I think... Uh, for all of us, at least in this in this country, in this culture, it's something to be mindful of that authority is something that's always being, um, uh, you know, taken for granted, sometimes not trusted. And so when we come to a place of church where we're telling people we have the authority on on these things, that we've got to do that in a graceful way because of, of the way that they may perceive authority in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you think about Romans 13, you have to remember that God is the author of authority. And he ordained the authority to be. And so we know, Acts 4 or 5, that we ought to obey God rather than men. But we also have to recognize that, that, that God has placed the authority in place. And we are to submit to that authority in, in a loving and gracious way. And so I, I think you're absolutely right that there's, there's a battle for truth. There's a battle for um, authority. And uh, it's vitally important that we keep the right spirit in that. And I was thinking as you were talking also, um, we can't stand for truth if we don't know what the truth is. And I think a lot of times, you know, we could say, let's stand for truth, but a lot of times we see headlines in media and in culture, and they seem like plausible sounding arguments when we buy into it. Like, yeah, you know, love is love, and that sounds good, and it's your choice, and we hear these things, and it sounds good, and we're not even aware that that is a complete attack on the truth. And so it's hard to stand for something that you are unaware of. And so I would encourage you, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The closer you are to God's word, the better able you will be to stand for truth when the day and time comes. And so I think that's, that's vitally important. Absolutely. And even as a parent, like I've noticed like even like commercials from like Old Navy 
or even Starbucks commercials or books that Liv has received as like birthday gifts. Subtle little inconsistencies that go against what the Bible says and being able to be aware and as parents being on watch, almost paranoid that what is this message sending my kids? I need to look through this book before I let her read it because there's little messages even in kids' books, even on Old Navy commercials that we need to make sure we're protecting our children from. Yeah, absolutely. Guarding and protecting uh, our heart ultimately. Danielle, would you add anything to that? I actually heard uh, someone told me as a parent that the moment you become a parent, you enter a battle every day of your life for your children. And that metaphor has stuck with me and it's appropriate with the theme of this conference that we are engaging in a battle for our kids. So just to piggyback what she said, you know, Deuteronomy 6 says, teach them diligently. We have to be intentional to teach the truth and to do it in a gracious spirit, but so that we can raise a generation who can stand for it and know what they're standing for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as we stand for truth and as we fight the good fight, inevitably there's going to be times when we get discouraged. How many of you over the last year have had one point in your life or ministry where you've been a little bit discouraged? Anybody like that? Just maybe overwhelmed or like, oh my goodness. And it's in those moments that we have to rely and depend on the Lord and learn uh, how to encourage, like David, encourage ourselves in the Lord. A lot of times we're not going to get the pat on the back from someone else. We're just going to get the criticism or the, or the mean comment. Um, and so what are some ways that, that we as leaders can encourage ourselves in the Lord and how do we battle that discouragement that we're all going to face? Um, Larry, maybe we'll start, start with you. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking about the Psalms yesterday. And so I think there's a lot of good thoughts that can be added uh, on top of this. But I think you have to start with uh, your relationship with God and going to God's word. And the, the Psalms were compiled during a time of exile. And they were prayers, psalms and poems uh, when they didn't have it, when the God's people didn't have a temple, you know, and so this was a time of discouragement for them, and yet they turned their focus to Godward, so that would be the first thing I would say is to focus your attention on God and uh, the riches that we have in Christ and the blessings. I get discouraged when I lose perspective, and so there's a lot of things that I can do um, practically to gain that perspective, but it always starts with going back to God's word and, and then, again, from there, there's a lot of practical suggestions, um, maybe getting get away, taking a walk. And, and then I know that some, sometimes there's a real uh, even medical component to that. And so I'm not opposed to, you know, talking to your doctor. And I think there's some good Christian doctors. Um, and so uh, those are just some starting points. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Steve, I know that you are a very positive person and a half uh, glass half full for sure. But but what have you learned about just having joy in ministry and when uh, discouragement or doubt tries to come in? What have, what have you learned? Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that because I was going to have to say that if you didn't say that <laughs> yes. and say, you know, I definitely am a positive person, glass half full. I'm a hundred percent extrovert. I love talking to people and strangers and people on airplanes. Like I've had three hour conversations with total How many of you are extroverts? Just curious in here. How many of you would say not an extrovert, introvert? This would be my worst nightmare on a plane sitting next to a guy like this. (laughs) What's your name? Hi, Larry, nice to meet you. (laughs) Get a middle seat between Absolutely. And put so put that, my mask on. Look so, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no. And so that's just how I am. So it's honestly, I discouragement is something that I don't necessarily face every day or I wake up and go, oh, man, this is going to be a horrible day and stuff. Because a couple of practical things. One is uh, God just gives me clarity sometimes to, to ask a different question. Not what is the problem, but what does this make possible? Yeah. Okay, what does this make possible? All right, so this happened now, whether it be church or family or something. Okay, what does this make possible? 
and 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 not letting I'm, I'm I'm giving a little sneak peek of my message here tonight, <laughs> but not not focusing on on the problem, but focus on God's position and saying, okay, what does this make possible? The second thing though is I would say for me practically is music, uh, Christian music. For me, and I, 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 this is just how I am. Let you you know my life. So I like. Last week, I have a home office. I was in there. I was studying. I was playing some music, and the song came on that I hadn't heard before, and it was it was said like the chorus like achy breaky heart. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just don't tell them. Um, but it was um, it was a song, and it just said, "I will bless the Lord at all times, at all times." Right, and so for me, I just started kind of. I'm like, mm, mm, I like that. Mm, right, that's good right there. And then I start listening to words. And then I'm in my office, and I'm, mm, yeah, like all times. Careful oh, on that couch I know, right there, remember? <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, I'm telling you, right, three, my wife doesn't know this. I didn't even tell Becky this. But um, like five minutes later, I'm literally on the other side of my desk, standing up, hands raised, <laughs> shouting as loud as I can in my home, going, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I was doing. Literally, I've done that many times in my car. I've done that all kinds of places because sometimes... Uh, we can we can be discouraged, and and God, I think if we allow encouraging influences in our life, and God will take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that music helps me a lot. You know, and no matter what your your temperament or personality type is, that's so true. Sometimes when you come into church and you don't feel like singing, you don't feel like worshiping, that's when you need to the most as an act of surrender and giving it to the Lord. Danielle, what would you add to that? Um, I. Think everything was great. I actually, what Larry said was some, a thought that had come to my mind that when I tend to get discouraged, it's because I lose my perspective. So it's helpful for me to even like physically remove myself, you know, like maybe go somewhere alone and just give God the opportunity to help refresh um, my mindset and, and really get in the word. And uh, like Elijah in the, in the Bible, when he was discouraged and he was alone, but the angel came and renewed his perspective because he felt like he was the only one doing what was right. And he said, no, there's so many other prophets doing right as well. So I think for me to, to make my brain stop overthinking and, and getting deeper into that hole of discouragement, it's helpful for myself to physically go somewhere, remove myself, and um, really just focus my, my heart and give the Lord the opportunity to uh, renew my perspective intentionally. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Ryan? Um, I think sometimes uh, in, in life as Christians, I think especially when you start off in your Christian journey, there is that sense of like nothing bad will ever happen to me. And, you know, being at the church uh, 17 years um, at Coastline, we live in a very uh, transient area. So we've got a lot of military coming in and out, especially during COVID. You guys, you know, everybody in California has known somebody that's left um, and uh, they're all in Texas now or whatever. But um, but I think at some point in, in my life and in, in ministry life, uh, there was just an understanding this will happen. And I don't mean just people leaving, but... Um, it's like bad things are going to happen, and so if you if you don't live your life like trying like like uh, Brother Skelly was saying earlier, you pray for strength, not just for something to 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 be gone. So you just you live with the understanding like these things are going to happen. You are going to have some friendships that are going to go south. You are going to have people that leave, and some people are going to quit ministry, whatever. Um, and and I think just knowing that that's not going to surprise you. Um, it kind of aids with that process. And then it was kind of already said, but I think the, the mental and, and, and physical well-being of your body plays a lot into how you get discouraged. And, you know, there's a lot of science behind that. But 
if God's given us this body to steward in whatever capacity um, that means for you, um, I, listening to music, exercising, reading, all that is good for your physical well-being. And uh, we live much in, in, in like sedentary, did I say that word right? Is that right? Learn something <laughs> in college. Um, we live those kind of lives that would be different than maybe some of uh, the, the movement around the world. And so in our, in our situation, sometimes I think discouragement can happen in ministry specifically just because we're not as active as what we should be, I think, and, and all the capacities of what that means for us. So I think that's a big part, too, that's, that's worth uh, thinking about. Absolutely. Katie? I think sometimes if we're thinking too much about ourselves, we can really get discouraged. <laughs> so I think if we sometimes will turn our attention off of ourselves, check in on a friend, see how they're doing, see how we can encourage someone. I think I first heard it from you, although I don't think you made this up. You can never encourage the wrong person. Did you make that up? Probably not. <laughs> okay. Well, if you don't know anyone else who said it, I think you created that. So you can never encourage the wrong person. So whenever I get bummed out, I'll try to reach out to someone. Or if I am really bummed out, I'll talk to someone about why I'm bummed out, you know, and ask for prayer. I've had many conversations on the phone where, you know, you're not expecting to start to cry. And then it's like, oh, that's kind of sad, you know, and then it just starts happening. Steve, you relate to that? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It happens, you know, it's like, why oh, did I told myself I wouldn't cry? But then that's kind of when you realize, oh, I am a little discouraged. So I think yeah. checking in with yourself, checking in with others, and ultimately prayer. Absolutely. That's why one of the reasons I love small groups at our church, there's been some times when I've been tired, exhausted, and in my flesh, I don't want to be at a small group. I just want to go sleep. Uh, but it's in those moments that I've found showing up is, is, is just uh, half the battle. And then I've been so encouraged by the people in our church and iron sharpening iron, those friendships. Uh, God knows exactly what we need. And so I think, I think that's so important. Hey, Matt, can I say one thing about yeah. to the ministry leaders? Because I, I was thinking about it and I have a better Absolutely. answer than my last answer. So <laughs> is there's a story in the Bible. God's been teaching me this recently. And there's a story in the Bible about uh, Naaman and he had leprosy and he wanted to be healed. And uh, so he goes to Elijah and he says, hey, I want to be healed. And Elijah, you know, says, yeah, go down to the Jordan and you dip seven times and you'll be healed. And the Bible says he got mad. He got mad. And the reason why he got mad, literally the word it says in the Bible, I thought. I thought he would tell me like he, he had this expectation that Elijah would heal him differently. And as ministry leaders, I know there's several in the room here. I'll be honest with you, as positive as I am. Sometimes the curse or the, the danger of being so optimistic is that you have high expectations. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be great. Man, the room's going to be full. Oh, people are going to come back. Oh, that, that visitor, they're going to come back, right? Oh, they love us. And then that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so in ministry, when, when you have an expectation that doesn't go the way you thought, and, there's, and that, we can do that in life, I thought my marriage would be different. I thought my kids would say, I thought you know, our church would be here in this year. I thought, right? Um, I think it's when we let go of expectations and we humble ourselves. Naaman could have found healing. All he had to do was let go of what he, how he thought it would be. And sometimes God is going to do a work in our life. He's just waiting for us to let go of how we think it should go. And then once we let go of how it thinks we should go, then he can work and do exactly what he wants. Just for the ministry leaders, or maybe for you, that's exactly where I'm at right now as God's teaching me. Yeah, that's so good uh, to just let go of our expectations and let God work. I want to talk a little bit about rhythms and routine because a part of this, um, all of these questions kind of tied together, and a part of this is having 
a healthy rhythm and routine for your life. And a lot of times we find ourselves in discouragement because we don't have a healthy routine or rhythm. And Danielle, I know that you are an organized person and uh, uh, you like to live in order. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've learned about establishing a healthy rhythm for your life, maybe some routines that you could share. I was hoping I would get to answer this second to hear what other people <laughs> say because I feel like it's just an area where I need to continually grow and I'm sure we all do. But um, I did read a book on it this year so far and the one thing that stood out um, was uh, the thought that structure and routine is in our lives or should be in our lives uh, with the goal of spiritual growth. So sometimes like my personality, I like structure and routine because I like smoothness and efficiency and I like it to be in order. But really, if you can think of those routines helping and, and aiding in your spiritual growth, that's helpful. Uh, so one, one thought is a simple one. And actually, um, it, the thought is just to maybe put tangible reminders in your life to help you keep that rhythm and routine. So something that you see that will remind you um, to, to stay on track. So as an example, I learned something from Katie at a girls' rock night uh, where she encouraged everyone to get a Bible basket. Where if, or if you want to have time with the Lord, you put your Bible and everything you need in that basket. And when you walk by it, it's an easy reminder to do it, and it, it sets you up to sit down and spend some time with the Lord. Uh, so those types of things have been helpful for me personally um, and in our home just to uh, put things in place. And then also to remember that if you get off a rhythm or routine, um, that you can get back on. So I, I'm like all or nothing. So if I mess up, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll start next Monday, you know, whatever. And so uh, God's mercies are new every morning. Every day is a fresh start. And so that's the point of those rhythms and routines is to just continue to grow and just to get back um, with it, with whatever the Lord has laid on your heart. Absolutely. Do, so. Yeah, that's great. And there's a great book on that, um, Atomic Habits. We read, as, read it as a team uh, not too long ago. And uh, he gives a lot of just helpful principles about habit stacking. And if you want to establish healthy rhythms in your life, um, uh, it's a great book to read. Larry, what would you add to that? I feel like I'm the worst person to answer this question. <laughs> uh, where I mess myself up is uh, saying yes to things that I probably shouldn't say yes to. Um, and uh, that's usually where I go south on, on rhythms and routines. Um, but also, and we grew up in a home where, you know, dad was always work hard, play hard, you know. And I feel like there can be stress in those those work seasons. But I think one thing that is helpful is keeping the seasons in mind. And that's something that we talk through with our family. Even when we enter a season, we're like, this is busy. Like this week for me is busy. We got a, a winter retreat next week, a winter revival, a uh, home fellowship next Sunday night. And there's something on the calendar the next seven days for us. But we look past that as well. And even for our kids, they're young, but if they can help see through those, this is a, this is a season. This next week is a season. And then, and then we're going to get some time after that. Helping uh, to to look ahead to create some of those rhythms, absolutely, Ryan. Um, I think one thing uh, that that is helpful when you're establishing rhythms and flow in your life is never stop like challenging yourself. Um, uh, Think about something that you want to learn about, you know, and I know sometimes when we're talking about rhythms, we kind of think of time management and stuff, but I think it's just challenging your mind and brain in some particular skill, maybe something that you want to be better at or something that you've never done before. Um, this will be a little short promo, but I was on Skillshare, hashtag, just in case they're watching, but um, if, are you guys familiar with uh, Skillshare? No, please share. Oh, I would get on there. Now, I don't know. It's not a Christian content thing, but it's a learning platform. And for only $10 a month. Uh, anyhow, but... Uh, what are you learning? <laughs> <laughs> so Some it, sort it, of pyramid it, scheme <laughs> you're trying to get us into. Uh, Steve Miller built it. So anyhow, um, 
but it, it's a it, it's just a learning platform. But anyhow, there were some things that I was looking for as far as far as time management. And we one, all guess what you're learning. <laughs> like we all just take one guess. What is, is it? Uh, triangle on the website. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that uh, I, I thought was a really uh, an interesting thing that I was trying to develop in was. Every person has a natural cadence to their life, their workflow, how they manage their life, how they manage their family life. And yours maybe would look different from somebody else's. And time management, there's books, all kinds of books and and, uh, seminars you can go to, but they kind of try to put you in this mold. Rather than trying to figure out, like, how do you work? How do you function? How does your family life structure, your ministry? And and, um, honestly, that changes for a lot of us over time. And uh, so it was one of those things where, for me, it was just nice to be able to say, Monday, this is my best day for this. Uh, Like, Wednesday is my worship planning day. And uh, when when I look at a couple months' worth of services for planning, I just know Wednesday, I function better than a Monday because Monday's after a Sunday. And uh, Tuesday's my, my, my day off at the church, and so I'm a little bit more refreshed dropping in on a Wednesday. So that's my creative day. Um, and quite honestly, if there's a, an email or if there's like a, hey, can we meet about this? I usually always try to push it to a Wednesday if I can, if it falls in terms of that small group stuff, people work type stuff. You know, if I can get it on a Thursday, that's what, because that's how my mind is geared. So that's been helpful for, for yeah. me. It might not be for everybody, but I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I think Craig Rochelle talks a lot about uh, time management versus energy management and just recognizing when uh, you are functioning at high capacity. For some people, how many of you are morning people? How many of you know opposite of whatever that is? Okay. And so functioning, uh, functioning according to uh, w- when your body is going to be at full capacity. So kind of knowing your energy and managing your energy, I think, is crucial. And I want to close with, with this question. Um, finding this balance between rest and responsibility. I think there's a great um, biblical principle that we have to practice of Sabbath and to, and to cease and, and to stop, uh, Shabbat, to, to stop. And so there, there should be times when we rest. But sometimes we can get in trouble when we err on, on either side, where I'm all work and it's all about responsibility, it's all about the grind, and we kind of get adrenaline off of that. And then, and then some people on the other side, it's like, I need more time off and more vacations, more rest, and it's all about that. And, you know, we see the perfect rhythm in the garden, really, where we see uh, responsibility was created before the fall of man, that that was a good thing for Adam and Eve to, uh, uh, to have that responsibility, but also rest. And so... What have you learned about that responsibility between, or that relationship between uh, rest and responsibility, Daniel? I like, I like calling on Daniel first. This is the one that brings your laptop on vacation. On yes. This. So tell us. Tell us about rest, Danielle. So I was going to say, maybe acknowledge that where your temperament leans. So some of us, we lean toward, you know, busyness is, is energizing for us, and we like to stay busy, and I know I fall into that category, and I feel like... I have a sense of duty that um, can get um, me out of balance very quickly. So it's important to remember that the Lord commands us to work and to rest. And I think, uh, I didn't check, but I think I heard that there's, in the Ten Commandments, when God tells us to keep the Sabbath, he he uses more words to tell us that commandment than any other commandment because it's important for us. And um, I was reminded recently that when we sleep or when we rest, it's a very physical uh, acknowledgement that we are not in control and that God yeah. doesn't need us to do Absolutely. all this work for him. You know, it's a very great way just to say God's got it and I'll do my best for the Lord, but he's the one uh, who really 
um, can get it all done in a better way than I can anyway. So I want to do my part, but I also want God to be able to do his. And resting is a good reminder and, and a good tangible way to surrender that to the Lord. So that's my thought. Absolutely. When we rest, we're not working. So we have to acknowledge God's working during that rest period. Steve? I was hoping to answer the last question because this is where. No turning back. I, I'm telling you, I could come. Uh, I'll tell you, God's been teaching me this, Matt, honestly, as a pastor, um, because I think sometimes I can be in a place of rest, like physically, like at home, but not be resting mentally. And so my mind is constantly thinking, constantly. I'm, I'm on the floor playing Legos with my boys, thinking about, I wonder where that family is. I wonder, I wonder if they're going to be in the small group. I wonder. And so I think, I think so much of it, it's a it's a battle uh, in the mind, a little promo for my uh, session here after lunch, and battle in the hashtag Skillshare, battle in the mind. And I think, so I think where I, honestly, where I struggle is, is turning my mind off. I can yeah. be at home, but yeah. I cannot be fully present, yeah. fully present. And I think that truly is rest. Mm. And so I think, honestly, sometimes it's as simple as leaving your phone upstairs and going being with your family downstairs yeah simple things like that that have helped me to be fully present and i, I told our church i said i said uh just recently a couple a couple weeks ago i said there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of pastors who have big buildings and broken families mm. and i said i just i'm not going to be that i think it's also clarifying the expectation that rest is a part of of sustainable ministry life, if you're ministering here or, or whatever, um, that you need that. That's a part of it. It's not like, oh, I'm so burnt out now. Let me go rest, right? That in that rhythm of sustainable ministry and life, rest has to be a part of that. But I think practically, sometimes it's just putting the phone away and 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 just being fully present. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. There's a great resource also if you're interested in reading further. Kevin DeYoung wrote a book called Crazy Busy, and he just talks about establishing rhythm and routine. And really, he models, he uses Jesus as the perfect model for that. Uh, Jesus had a ministry that was crazy busy, and uh, he talks about that in that book, and it's extremely helpful. Um, Katie, what would you add to that discussion? Rest. I think as a parent of young kids, rest is difficult. Like even last night, Luke kept crying in his sleep. And this morning I asked him, Luke, do you remember crying? Like, he was crying so hard I thought he fell out of his bunk bed. And then I asked him this morning, he has no recollection of crying at all. And, you know, he ended up in our bed, you know, sleeping because he couldn't stop crying. Anyways, rest for a parent doesn't come easily. <laughs> but sometimes rest is like one worship song or going to get poke and eating it in your car. That is... Poke Tuesday over uh, here. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. Sometimes Daniel and Seth will join me on Poke Tuesdays. <laughs> But I think sometimes rest doesn't have to be a 10-day long vacation. It can be a moment where you just rest, you know, and just take a breath, you know, because sometimes you have to recharge quick. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. Ryan, would you add anything? Uh, yeah, I would just uh, going in terms with rhythm, I think it's really helpful when you have something that you know provides rest. So automatically we think of rest, we think of sleep, I think first and foremost, and, and quite honestly, I don't know that we always get enough. Uh, but beyond that, uh, if you can't control that, I think there are some things that you can't control in place in your life that's a part of schedule that does provide at least, at least a rest of mind, but it's a schedule thing. It's not something, oh, in six months, I hope I get to do this. Is it Poke Tuesday? Uh, yeah, it might turn into that. I don't know. Um, but honestly, like uh, uh, Robin and I, we just, we had like a little 
quick like 30 minute brunch date after our staff meeting on Friday. I said, pick me up. We're going to go down to this coffee shop and we're just going to no, no agenda. Because a lot of times as husband and his wife, it's like, what's the kid's schedule this week and what are we going to do or not do? Um, but we just talked and it wasn't even profound. But we sat there and we're like, this needs to be our every Friday thing. Why can't it? Why can't we take 30 minutes to go right here? Our kids are old enough. We couldn't do that five years ago, though, right? Um, and so that, that rhythm, you know, it, it changes for that. But to have something and then, you know, to allow there to be people in your life, I think for me it would be my pastor, uh, more primarily my wife, to speak into knowing when I am tired, when I'm crabby. Um, sometimes I may think I'm just being a dad, and there, she's like, no, you're crabby. And uh, I, one of the things I know that I've struggled with, I already said, uh, we have a day off uh, during the week is Tuesday. I, I, JJ, I don't know if you're like this. JJ's here. He's on staff. Everybody get up for JJ over here. <laughs> but uh, I know his, his mindset's a lot like this. Tuesday becomes a work day at home. And so I found myself like working longer hours at home on projects and upkeep or whatever than I would at the office. And I like had to pull away and, and it sounds weird, but I would like stop my work day uh, when the kids got done with school because I knew their day off now is or their time off from school is now my day off and we're able to spend that time together. So just really uh, kind of guarding that time um, so that I can have those restful periods, you know, on a, on a as best as can a weekly basis. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I know that's so helpful for me. I hope that's helpful for us this morning and uh, uh, just having this conversation about standing for truth, but having uh, the right spirit, gracious in our conversation, but also having the right rhythm and, and routine in life. I think it's so vitally important. Let's give it up for our panel this morning and this conversation. Thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to hearing more from all of you later on at the breakout sessions.